Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the Gamerpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Bradford Carlton. Today, I have a very special guest with us. I have Josh Lynn. Hey there, Josh. How's it going? How's it going, man? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's a beautiful sunny day in Las Vegas. How about yourself? It's a beautiful sunny day in Southeast Missouri. I, okay. I've been through there been, a few times. It's usually cloudy every time I've gone through. <laughs> yeah, we like our overcast days. It's been muggy recently, but today it's like mid-70s, sunny and breezy. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good afternoon. Wonderful. I'm not looking forward to mid-70s here. Like for us, it's cold in like the upper 80s. And we're like, oh, we get the sweaters out. <laughs> Absolutely. I spent several years in northern New Mexico. I remember those dry colds. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So, Josh, I like getting started the show, just getting right into it. So, tell us a little bit about yourself, please. Um, all right. Uh, I don't know how far back you want to go. I uh, grew up my, in a family that did art, uh, and I've uh, got into working on computers, doing graphic design and digital illustration and stuff when I was like 12 or 13 years old. Um, and the first thing that I got into with, with digital art was creating resources for independent game developers. Uh, so I would create like character portraits and uh, graphic user interfaces for like the equivalent of like 16 and 32 bit like game systems like uh, back at RPG Maker and Game Maker were like software that people developed for that kind of stuff. Uh, that basically developed into, uh, I went to, I got a job doing graphic design um, and then went to school for graphic design and illustration, fine arts in general. So I've done painting, sculpture, ceramics, all of it. Uh, and from there, while in school, got a job working at a venue as a sound guy and uh, ended up on stage doing stage performance. And uh, since then have just pre pretty much working in uh, the creative art department um, for about a decade. For the last couple of years, I've been working for this company, I'm now part owner of, of Top Talent Services. And we're basically just what we call a, an artist services company. So we provide everything from consulting to uh, video production, photography, audio recording, live streaming. Uh, basically, if you want to create stuff, we have the stuff to create stuff with. <laughs> I love it. And, you know, to make you sound even more awesome, right before we started, you told me you did five years in radio on top of everything. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was a morning news announcer for our local NPR affiliate. Yeah, here at KRCU. So you've basically done it all. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, very much a renaissance man, I guess. <laughs> all right. So you just have so much to unpack, and I, I can't wait to. However, before we get any farther, I ask every guest a single question. So I'm going to ask you just like I ask everybody else. If you've watched any of my episodes, you know what this is. So on a scale of one to ten... 10 being high, how weird are you, Josh? Uh, I'm probably, I would say I'm probably about a six. Uh, like, I'm a, like, as far as gaming goes, like, gaming's a big hobby for me, and uh, we use the term very broadly. So, like, I live with a couple dudes who are gamers, so we have cabinets full of tabletop games and boxes full of magic cards. There's three TVs in our living room with different game systems hooked up to them. So, That's a TV, right? <laughs> yeah, right. And like, but, again, maybe a little weird, right? That, we, <laughs> that we're, we're, we take gaming to a, to, to a higher level. So, I would say... 
maybe what I choose to play and stuff like that is, is not necessarily weird, but the volume and variety at which I play is, uh, it's a little uncharacteristic. <laughs> uh, nothing wrong with that. I mean, three TVs is, yo, that's weak sauce compared to what we used to do in the land party days, right? Oh, Gotta take over your TV too on, on top yeah. of the computer. <laughs> All right, so you've kind of given me a, a preview, but this is the gamerpreneur. So I yes, do sir. need your gaming cred, Josh. When did you first start playing video games? Um, I think I was like 10. My uncle gave me, I can't remember if it was a Nintendo or a Super Nintendo. Um, and I might, might've been an original Nintendo with, with Zapper and all, uh, and just a few games, you know, like Duck Hunt. Uh, I remember I had Zelda. Uh, I've never been like, I commented on your post the other day. I was never much of a Zelda player, but I had it. Um, and, uh, so kind of started there. And then for Christmas one year, uh, a few years late, I was like, this would have been like, you know, 2000 or so. Uh, I got a PlayStation, like an original PlayStation. And uh, we got like the magazine subscription that came with demos, you know, like PlayStation magazine and all that stuff. And my dad was hooked on racing games. Uh, I've spent, God, on Final Fantasy VII, I've spent so many days of my life <laughs> on that game, breeding chocobos. But, uh, <laughs> right, gotta get the gold. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So uh, that was kind of how I started. Uh, since then, um, now, like, I was, I was an alpha player for Minecraft. Like, uh, I downloaded off the blog before it had its own website, you know, like <laughs> that kind of stuff. Uh, we, uh, you know, we've, we've gotten into to streaming recently. My buddy and I started a little bit of a label. We've just barely gotten started on it called vault 1222. And, um, uh, there's a fly attacking me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, uh, we've just branched into that part of it, but, uh, yeah, I've played good Lord four or five final fantasies in a row. Uh, I've played every grand theft auto up till five. Um, Good Lord, so many games. So well, hopefully many you games. took advantage of you know, Epic's deal giving away Grand Theft Auto V, you know, not that long ago. Oh, I don't think I did. Yeah, oh, I wasn't gosh. paying attention. I might have. I have to look. I have to go back and look. One of my buddies might have got it. Like, No, they give away some incredible games over on Epic uh, this week, but when you and I are talking, not when this comes out, um, they're giving away Watch Dogs 2. So if you haven't played Watch Dogs 2, oh, okay. next week's Roller Coaster Tycoon 3 with the expansion packs. I'm like, ah! Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm going to have to check into that. That's what's up. Thanks for the tip. Absolutely. Yeah. Every Thursday, new games on Epic. Um, beautiful. Just, what do you play now? What are you playing like today or, you know, as close to today? Have you played Spellbreak? <laughs> I have not. No, not yet. It's like two weeks old. This game just came out like two weeks ago. Um, it's for free on, uh, I believe, almost every console right now. Um, it's still in development. It's a battle royale game where you play wizards flying around in the air, swinging spells at each other like Avatar. <laughs> it's a blast. It's an absolute blast. So we've been literally, because you sling fireballs and, and acid sprays and all this stuff, and it's it's a hoot. So what, that, guns, are guns not good enough for you? You gotta go for I, fantasy. Uh, everything needs to have a little bit of fantasy in it. I mean, I, I'm a big D and D player. Uh, I've probably been playing Dungeons and Dragons about as long as I've been playing video games. Uh, so yeah, absolutely. Like if if and it, I mean. You fly around and you throw fireballs. Like there's nothing to not love about that. <laughs> I love it. All right, kind of one more gaming question, then we'll kind of go into like you as a person, your business and all of that. But I want to say like desert island scenario. 
All right, you get one game for the rest of your life, power cable and an ethernet cord, so you can play on line, online if need be. What is that one game? I'm a pretty diehard Minecraft fan. Uh, I, I'd be lying if I said anything else. Uh, I've been playing, uh, we have a realm that we pay for, so it's, and it's a survival server, so like, I could pretty much play Minecraft forever if somebody paid me to do it. Um. <laughs> yeah, I, I admit, I love Minecraft. I cannot pe believe people are still playing it. I yeah. swear I got that game like 10 years ago and like they're still playing it. <laughs> they just updated the nether with new biomes. It's wonderful. <laughs> it's always, it's nice to play a living game that's always adding new stuff too. Like, Absolutely. Really I mean, there's, cool you aspect. can't go wrong with Legos. Cause I mean, right. that's basically what it is. And they're just new Lego sets, right? It's yeah. so cool. I love Minecraft. But Absolutely. Right there, I can't wait to show my daughter it. She just doesn't have the like the coordination yet. Yeah. My daughter's six and she just started seriously playing like with in the last year and so like we, we have a world that we play on together and play creative together and it's pretty awesome yeah. that's so cute i love it Thank you. all right now josh let's get over to the preneur part you've kind of told us a little bit about what you're doing now um but you already gave me your background so uh tell me more about what you currently do like what what does your uh, your company like focus on how do you help people yeah. Uh, so with, um, and it's very, you know, culturally relevant, uh, we were originally, our company was founded in 2014 um, as a booking agency. We're a woman owned, veteran owned company. And uh, so she started this company in 2014, um, working out of another venue and then went independent and then booked something like 3000 shows in five states for 75 venues, like Jeez. <laughs> huge amount of work, right? Um, she came, she moved across the river. She was over in Illinois. She moved over here to, to Southeast Missouri um, and set up shop here. We're in Cape Girardeau uh, is the name of our town. Um, and uh, she opened up shop here. And originally it was, we were a booking agency that primarily focused on booking. Um, and then we had a production studio in the back, which is where I am now. Uh, that was basically just for providing promotional services for the artists that we booked. So if you didn't have headshots or if you didn't have a music video, or you hadn't recorded a demo yet, we had all the gear and stuff to do that here. So then coronavirus happened and the idea of working off of commission and working off of how many people are paying at the door for a service suddenly went out the window. If everything that I make money on is based off how many people I can fit into a building in a night, then I lost 80% of that potential revenue, basically when, when coronavirus occurred. So we shifted our emphasis basically to the back room where we had a pile of resources with these really badass computers and, and, and sound equipment and cameras and stuff. And we said, well, well I guess we'll leverage that since we're not going to be doing the, the booking end of it. And we kind of expanded our target audience to basically be anybody who was creating stuff. Like if you were creating content and that was kind of where I got into following you was I was researching people who were creating content for, for different audiences and how they were tailoring that content and creating value. Um, so we kind of shifted our gear away from here's all the artists that we sell, which was originally we had something like 150 people on the roster at one point. Um, moving away from selling them to selling ourselves and selling the content that we produce in our own studio and you know the, the acoustic treatments you pointed out the sound panels uh, the lights I have a whole light rig in here it's ridiculous like it's way more affordable 
to come to us to produce content in house than it is to go out and buy a camera or it is to, you know, pay for an Adobe creative cloud subscription or whatever, especially since we already have it. <laughs> like, yeah. I'll never so, give up my creative cloud though. I love it. I love oh it. yeah. But, <laughs> When I first started, that's the most mind-boggling thing. I told you I started doing graphic design. When I started with graphic design, Photoshop was 350 bucks every year if you wanted the new one. And now it's like 250 bucks for every piece of software they have for the whole year. And it's, it, it, it boggles the mind that, that we've come this far. That's something that is that I'll is admit, I'll admit I got my, my Photoshop, my, my whole like suite, my Adobe suite back in like 2010. I'm like, I'm not going to update. Why would I need to? Yeah. Right. <laughs> and then every year they're like, here's a reason to update. So <laughs> I finally bit the bullet just a couple months ago. And it's like, look what I can do now. I push a button and it does it for me. It just it works. You turn it on and it works. And that's the best thing in the world. <laughs> uh, okay. So, so what is your focus then? Like who, who is your target audience? Mostly uh, creative artists. Uh, we're still focusing largely on musicians because um, that's who we focused on since 2014. So, you know, we're not going to jettison that particular target audience. Uh, we've also worked a lot with uh, just local businesses around Cape Girardeau, uh, especially uh, like disenfranchised groups, uh, uh, black and women owned businesses. So we've helped them create a lot of content that they might not have otherwise had a platform for. Uh, but the people that we target now are people who are specifically media content creators, creative content creators. So comedians, uh, we uh, produced a panel show, uh, we a couple talk shows we've produced out of our place, uh, a couple interview segments, same thing. Uh, the same kind of thing that I'm doing with you today, we produce with uh, a group called the Dave and Sean Show, and they just interview musicians um, and give them the opportunity to kind of promo their own stuff. Uh, so we're still more or less just a, uh, a support structure for people who are creative artists in general and just need the extra step up whether that be the consulting or the access to software hardware prepared space you know whatever whatever they're missing in their particular plan we can help fill those gaps certainly and on your end like what was the transition like you went from an event production company to all of a sudden you're now kind of in a way a marketing company right i mean you are Absolutely. You're, you're you know doing the work for them but like it's for marketing purposes more or less Absolutely. Um, I mean, my job was pretty much a state of flux the entire time. Uh, I'm operations manager here. Uh, so I do a lot of spreadsheets and bookkeeping and stuff like that. Um, so stuff, I was all the fun stuff, right? <laughs> all, all, the, all the stuff that everybody loves to talk about. <laughs> um, so I was, I was already doing just a lot of administrative stuff. And um, when the whole transition happened. It, it was, we, I mean, I'm very proud of our ownership because we very quickly thought on our feet, you know, where it was just like, well, we, we realized that what we were trying to do what is not, you know, a viable solution and, you know, rent still due on the first. So <laughs> you gotta, you gotta leverage the resources you have, you know, and that's a lot of what we talked to, to our, uh, our clientele about is, is leveraging your strengths, you know, leveraging the resources you already have access to think about the stuff you've already done and the clients you've already worked with and, uh, how to, to grow from that. So from my perspective, you know, just the titles on the spreadsheets changed and, uh, sure. and the people that I was calling changed a little bit, but, uh, the 
the business itself has been pretty much the same for me for almost 20 years now. <laughs> since, since I was about 13, I've been doing, it's all, it's all pretty much the same. Like you said, it's, it is marketing. It's you're, you're reaching an audience, an audience and, and then creating value for that audience so that they're, uh, they have faith in you and your product and your service. Right. Like, so. Okay. So are you guys creating the creative then? Or are you uh, doing the idea generation or is the artist or the, the creator, creator coming in? And kind of dictating how does that relationship work um that's a very good question uh that's a sliding scale um so really it is you get it, it really depends on what you come to pay us for we bid each job separately so if you don't want to pay us for consulting then we'll shut up and just turn the cameras on you know but most of the people that come to our studio they are coming to us as uh as creative directors and and consultants they want to know what we think and and, and why you know and um so uh we do more of the offering our own creative input you know very little of the just show up and turn on cameras and quite a bit of the well if it was me this is what i would do you know here's the best way to reach your audience like consistency in language and don't leave bottle caps on your bottles, that kind of thing, like <laughs> little technical stuff, you know? So that's absolutely, uh, with, uh, in, um, there's a guy I follow named Michael Gavin. He's a, he's an inspirational speaker. Who's a video producer. And he said, you know, you got to move out of like this, this realm of workhorse and into this, this realm of an authority, somebody who you, you are valuable. That's why they're coming to you and paying you. Like if they, if they want to just rent the cameras from Radio Shack, I guess you can't do that anymore. If you want to just rent the cameras and turn them on for half an hour, you could do that. But by going through a production company, you know, you're getting more than just access to cameras and lights. You're getting, uh, you're getting insight and experience. Okay, wonderful. So this is now your focus on the content creation side of it. And you've been kind of been doing this the past 20 years, you said. Um, but I'll admit, since the Rona hit, right, I, I was doing my interview, interviews before the Rona, I was building up my, my show. And when it hit, everybody like started transitioning, they're making the pivot, right? I'm so sick of hearing about the pivot. But you know, <laughs> everybody's making the pivot. The new normal. But, Right. The new normal. That's another one, right? <laughs> what are some mistakes you're seeing people making while doing this? Oh, man. So the biggest mistake that I see in general um, from especially creatives uh, is trying to shove a square peg into a round hole um, or, or trying to apply an old philosophy and just force it onto a current situation. And not just not just the pandemic either. Like in, in general, you know, people encounter an obstacle and then they become obstacle oriented and they say, well, I can't I can't do this. You know, I can't, I can't do shows. I can't do shows because of Corona. I can't get a hundred people into, into a bar wall to wall. Um, or, I mean, I guess you can, but not safely. Right. Like I can't, I, I can't assume the same things that I did before. So if you can't, if you don't have the same information that you had before, you can't have the same operations you had before. And a lot of people have, uh, I've seen like you call it the pivot. I call it some people jerked, you know, where it was like they, they went from having no social media or like no digital presence at all to just vomiting content 
out all the time that didn't have anything to do with the product they were selling or didn't have anything to do with with their target audience and it was just either political memes or or just stuff that was that just didn't matter didn't create value and so i see you know a lot of people like gary vaynerchuk i reference to him all the time yeah i love gary v and so like one of the things that he used to say was you know just be putting out content be putting out content be putting out content and i saw and somebody else wrote an ad that i saw the other day that was oh gary old gary v he'll tell you this but he he doesn't know the real secret it's like well that's you're, you're, you missed the part where he said it has to create value for your customer. If it doesn't create value for your target audience, it's noise. It's just. Oh, oh, oh. Don't let the truth get in the way of a good story, though, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, exactly. And that's. Uh, so a lot of these companies, especially smaller companies, local companies that used to have a storefront that people walked by all the time. And that was what they used as their, you know, that was their face. Now they're creating a new face that is Facebook or Twitch or Twitter, or Instagram or whatever. And they see people just, just puking content. And what they don't understand is that when you're an individual, Josh can post all kinds of whatever the crap I want all over my Twitter feed. Top talent does not do that. Everything that we post has something to do with our target audience. It appeals to them. It engages them. And hopefully it converts them. Like, we've, like I was mentioning in the thing, like uh, the idea of getting them back to having confidence in your service and then hopefully paying you for that service or buying some merch or, you know, supporting you in some way like that. That's why you want to create that content is to target that audience. It's like I'm, I'm looking in a mirror because I swear I just talked about this this morning on my live. <laughs> we overlap a lot, man. That's why I started stalking you. That's, uh... <laughs> oh, and, you know, it's, it's so interesting because here in the gaming space, there's creators, like millions and millions and millions of creators. And it's exactly like you said, most of them don't know what they're doing. Right. And that's what got me here in the first place is I, I came from a business law perspective, right? And, and then business consulting. And I was working with marketers. I wasn't a marketer, but I was working with top talent guys pulling, you know, 500,000 a month in ad spend for different people. And they're like, no, th this is how it's done. And I'm, a, I'm an educationable person, right? I can be taught. I'm like, okay, this is how it's done. Go over in the gaming space and nobody's doing it. Right. Who's doing it wrong in your opinion? Like who is just flat out if you had to pick a group of people? Man, I don't know. I would, I would tell you it'd be hard to say because I haven't seen them. That's if they're, if they're doing it wrong, you don't see it. They don't communicate. You know what I mean? <laughs> so like uh, there, there's a lot of, um, like I said, I would, I would say small businesses that, uh, that, I mean, I don't really want to hate on anybody. <laughs> I, I would say the businesses that jumped straight in, like I said before, the ones that, that didn't really necessarily do any research and uh, just started banging out content because somebody told them, you know, post a meme every day. Uh, that kind of stuff frustrates me because, and the thing that frustrates me the most is that some of those small businesses are paying somebody to tell them that or paying somebody to, to manage an account that does that. And it's like, if you're not, if you're not targeting your advertising, you're not targeting your marketing. That's like, you know, McDonald's putting out an ad for car rentals. Like it's, you're it. not, <laughs> you're not hitting what's your, you're wasting your time and your energy. So that's like the, the untargeted groups, you know, people that just, just create noise on social media. Yeah. You're engaging an audience, but it's not the audience you want to engage. You're just engaging people who like your memes, I guess. <laughs> Wonderful. That's such perfect advice. 
Okay, yeah. Josh, I want to talk about you a little more personally, if we can. Okay. Um, how do people follow in your footsteps? Like maybe they want to get a position at a company kind of like you have. What, what makes you special? What makes you unique? What skills do you have that they can emulate? Um, so my favorite job interview question or answer, I guess they say is like, what, what is your greatest strength or whatever? They like to ask you that in job interviews. And I would say my greatest one is I'm not afraid to ask questions. Uh, don't, don't be afraid to always have to be learning. Like that's the, the environment that we work in, regardless of what it is. I mean, unless you're doing like what? like steel manufacturing it hasn't changed a whole lot you know in, in the last 30 years or whatever if you're working in any sort of digital or media field you really have to be able to think on your feet you have to be able to react to the environment and react to the climate where it is um and if you don't i mean you'll you'll find yourself outdated in a, in a month you know like if you don't react in time to to what's going on i don't mean you have to be to be hectic, you just have to be aware and flexible, you know, and not be not be stuck in your ways. Okay, and that's things change. Though you're on the operation side, pushing paper. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. And that's yeah. I uh, I I create a lot myself. You know, like I listed. I went to school for all this crap. So like I <laughs> I uh, I do. You know, I'm a I'm a rapper as a hobby. I uh, I'm an illustrator. I uh, I host one of the panel shows that that we have. Um, so like you, you have to be able to, when, when your books aren't right, you know what I mean? Like when your calendars aren't working, you have to be able to figure out how to do that. And because that's, if, especially if you're an entrepreneur, because that's when you, when you work for, I've worked for universities and I've worked for corporations and, you know, it's always somebody's job to do whatever specific task it is. And when you're an entrepreneur, that's you, like that job is either you or you need to hire somebody to specifically do that job. So if it's, if you look at your books and say, oh, we need an accountant, you're the freaking accountant, bud. Like you need to start accounting. Like. <laughs> but bookkeepers aren't that expensive. I mean, 150 a month or so, you might be able to swing that. I gotta and know, yeah. no, you brought it up. What's your rap name? I go by my real name. I just go by Josh Lynn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they used to call me Jay Lazy back in the day, and that's because I have a mildly lazy eye. But uh, no, I've, I've always gone by my my real name because I performed with a, a a band that was like like everybody there was like a professionally trained jazz musician. <laughs> And I was way outclassed, like way outclassed, you know what I mean? And I'm like, I'm the white rapper guy that shows up. <laughs> and uh, no, I didn't think anybody would take me seriously if I used an alias, you know? So I was just like, no, nah, my name's Josh. Like, uh, like, oh, but what's your, what's your rapper name? And I'm like, no. See, I, was, I didn't come up with mine. I was actually given to me. So I was actually on the board of a, a, a little rap label, right? And I, nice. owned a, I owned a purple suit. Like you go to the super cheap suit store, right? And like, I got the, I look like the Joker in this thing, I swear and like a rainbow vest and like i showed up and they're like you're purple white <laughs> so we got little white we got big white you're purple white <laughs> purple white there it is that's pretty great okay um how do you make money josh man this is my nine to five uh and so so i guess the, the right answer to that would be i don't right now we're pretty we're pretty damn broke man uh but i mean for the last few years of my life uh i've I, that's i've done media production i uh before i did this um i was an events coordinator for a venue here in town i was there for maybe six months or nine months that was like nine months uh and they kept cutting their entertainment budget but i was i was a freelance hire basically 
um, almost brought in as like a third party consultant or whatever. I was paid as an independent contractor and all that good stuff. Um, and then before that, um, I was work. I worked a liquor store part time, um, which is one of the best worst jobs you'll ever work. Uh, <laughs> it's a great job because it's not very difficult, but it's a terrible job because of the people like that you have to deal with. Uh, so that was how I paid. You know, most of my my existence was was liquor store work. Uh, and then I, I started my own company before this that pretty much did the same thing, event planning and event coordinating and that kind of stuff. And we designed, uh, everything from the ground up cocktails and appetizers and, and everything. Um, but no, I pretty much, when I was in school, I was a web developer for an end designer for the university that I worked for. Uh, so I've, you know, I've been, um, pretty much broke and working in art my whole life, but I've been working in art my whole life. You're doing so, what you love. That's what matters, absolutely. right? You're happy. Yeah, you so, seem happy. I've had some guests yeah. who seem happy. You're definitely one of them who's happy. So good for you. Thanks, man. I uh, try. But I want to ask. So you've got this history, you know, 20 years in art, right? If you could go back and you could talk to little Josh, you know, you go, hey, little Josh, here's everything that's going to happen over the next 20 years of your life. But here's the one lesson you need to take away from everything I've learned. What do you tell yourself? Man, you got to learn to not hesitate on things. Like people, people feel like you have to wait for the perfect time. You got to wait till you have all the resources. You got to wait till everything's in place and wait, 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 wait. And so much of that is just built up in your head. You know, that if you just, but in the time that you spend thinking about what you need to get started, a dude who lacks the confidence that, that, or lacks the, the, the doubt that you've put into your mind has already spent two days working on it and made a hundred bucks. So it's like, you can't throttle yourself. Like when be, be confident in what you've got, because the only thing stopping you from moving forward is you. So if you start today, then you've already got 24 hours ahead of yourself tomorrow. Like, so don't, don't wait around for everything to be absolutely perfect. Just like jump at it, strike when the iron's hot, like don't hesitate. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay. So Josh, you've had this just eclectic range of experience over your life. You've basically seen everything. So it's tough for me to like pin this next question on any one like angle here, but say you have a new entrepreneur come to you, just a, a new entrepreneur, not necessarily in any particular field, but they're asking you for advice. What advice do you have for that brand new entrepreneur? Um, so this came up in, in the stream that we did last week or earlier this week. Uh, for top talent and it really comes down to being specific about goals and being specific about your product or service and being specific about your target audience. So I like, uh, I guess I called it dumping adjectives <laughs> onto things. Cause every time you apply an adjective, uh, you're defining a target audience and you're defining part of your service. So when you say like, well, we can use gaming as an example, like I'm a gamer. That's a very broad category. I'm a gamer that plays tabletop games. Are they tabletop games that are structured around stat-based RPGs or are they freeform format? Like, are you a video gamer? Do you like platformers? Do you like shooters? Do you like RPGs? Like the more you're specific about the way that you target your audience and the way that you're providing a product, it makes it a lot easier to then produce content related to that because it, uh, I don't know why, just the, the extra level, you know, uh, the example I used was the difference between metal bands. Like, is it a, a new metal or a hard rock or a, a death core, you know, experimental band? They all 
apply and appeal to different audiences. And once you understand the audience that you're targeting, which is literally the biggest part of any business ever, if you're an entrepreneur, you have to understand your target audience. They're the most important part of your business plan. So if you understand how your service specifically targets your audience and the more adjectives you can apply to that service and the more adjectives you can apply to your target audience, it's going to make it a lot easier and answer a lot of the other questions that you come across further down the line. Okay, it's like I'm staring in a mirror. <laughs> okay, but I hear, I, you know, I get a follow-up when I say that to myself. Oh, woe is me, but if I do that, won't I be limiting the number of people who are seeing my stuff and therefore I won't be able to make as much money? Mm, uh, I mean, as if you see that as a bad thing, uh, like limiting your audience, like would, would you rather hit 100,000 people that are never going to spend money with you ever or would you rather hit 1,000 people that have five bucks to throw in? Like it's audience is a fickle thing, man. Like, and, and the, especially when like in our field, man, with social media, like you get your metrics, you know how old they are and what region they're from and, and how long they spent on your site or whatever, but you don't really know your audience until you're engaging with them. Like until you're getting comments and shares and likes and actual feedback from an audience, it's really difficult to say anything other than, you know, males between 25 and 35, like, <laughs> doesn't really tell you a whole lot, man. <laughs> Love it. Okay. Now, may I humble you if possible, Josh? No, go for it. I okay. can always use it. Fantastic. So, <laughs> I believe we learn the most from our failures in life, right? When you get smacked in the face and knocked down, you got to pick yourself up, like, figure out what happened, dust yourself off, and then move forward with the lesson that you got taught from getting hit in the face. What was your biggest failure in life? And what did you learn from it? Um, I would say all of my failures, big or small, have been personal. Um, and in my, my not taking care of myself, whether it was my own mental health or, or my physical health, um, very prone to bad habits, um, a little too friendly with alcohol for a while, um, don't have a good relationship with food, you know, uh, and I would say the biggest improvements that I've made in my life were taking care of myself and making sure that I was sleeping enough, but not too much, you know, <laughs> and, and drinking water and getting your vitamin C and getting out in the sunlight. Like, uh, I do, I struggle with, uh, um, uh, persistent depressive disorder, and so it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a constant battle that people, you know, something like one fifth of the population of the world struggles with uh, some degree of mental illness, whether it's ADD or depression or, or, or whatever it is. Uh, so you really have to, you're, you're your greatest asset. You know, you, you are the most powerful asset that you have access to. So you really have to take care of yourself first. And uh, if you don't, then everything else is going to suffer. Like, Fantastic. And like you're your greatest asset, but you're also your worst enemy at the same time. And you get to choose every day who you are. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. All right. All right. What are you working to improve on yourself today, Josh? Man, I'm a bad communicator. <laughs> right. I'm good at talking, right? Like I'm a good talker, but I'm, I'm bad at communicating. I'm bad at delegating and, and uh, collaborating. Uh, I worked alone for so long, you know, like more than a decade. I was, I was independent freelance, you know, my, my company was one person, you know, and uh, now that I work with a, a bevy of individuals, like remembering that, you know, you, there are times where it's, you should hand work off or you should, you know, turn around and communicate to somebody else that 
that uh, you know you need partnership or help or whatever it is on a particular project. And so I'm really bad at at uh, loading myself down and and not using my people resources around me, which I think is something that a lot of people could work on. <laughs> you have to deal with a lot of drama in your office. Um, not that you're going to admit it on camera. <laughs> not really. Oh no, we're close enough. I can admit it. I can, <laughs> I can, I can smear them all over camera, and they'd just be like, but, uh, "No, not a whole lot." Um, uh, I would say we we have our we're, we're we're three owners that own the business. So whenever you're splitting ownership of of anything, you know definitely people have conflicting opinions, and so there's definitely spouts of drama and spouts of conflict. But we're uh, I would say I'd pat us all on the back by saying we do a pretty good job of working through it and uh, keeping our goals in mind. You know, keeping your face forward and and knowing what everybody that knowing that everybody's working towards the same crap like makes a makes a great big difference in, in negotiations you know when everybody wants the same thing fantastic all right josh has been a wonderful interview how do people find you how do they reach out to you what are your handles online absolutely top talent services on facebook top talent services top talent services llc uh is our company name you can find us at toptalentservices.com you can find us on twitter at top talent serve s-e-r-v um and on instagram at uh, top talent services um facebook's probably the easiest oh we're also on youtube you can watch all of our uh shows and stuff on youtube and uh, we should have all kinds of new services and content like rolling out really soon. And it'll uh, should be, be fun to watch, man. Fun to watch. Wonderful. All right. Now, as we wrap up, do you have any final thoughts you want to share or anything I didn't ask you think we still need to cover? I totally wrote you a question for this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So here you go. Here's one you should throw on. What's a personal or professional life lesson that you learned from a video game? <laughs> I love that one. So yeah, no, steal it. It's yours. Like, <laughs> okay. Um, what is a professional or life lessons you learned from a video game, John? Um, I would say, uh, looping back to, to what I said earlier, being explicit about your goals, man. Uh, whenever a video game sets a task out for you, it'll say, collect 50 bushels and return them to this guy in said town. All that really explicit stuff, the numbers you can count, the deadlining, you know, and stuff like that, that all translates directly to me into professional environment. That is being explicit and being goal oriented. Like video games are very goal oriented and rule oriented. And that's a lot of how the professional environment is. So I think the video game philosophy in general has probably made life for me easier to process and understand. <laughs> I love it. And I actually wrote an entire book basically on that premise of your question. Yeah, professional and life lessons I learned from my time playing World of Warcraft as a hardcore raider. <laughs> I'm gonna have to buy your book, dude. That looks awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Um, no, Josh, this, thank you so much. This was a blast. You're, you're a lot of fun. <laughs> Heck yeah, dude. I'm down to come back and ramble about this crap anytime. <laughs> For sure. All right. Well, thank you again. I, I want to say I genuinely do appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much for reaching out to me, Josh. Josh I Lynn. appreciate you having me, man. It's been an absolute pleasure. All right. And for everybody else, I'm going to remind you all, don't be just a gamer, be a gamerpreneur. <laughs>